Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melissa C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Today is July 10th, 2023, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 92. We'll be reading the second paragraph, which, um, but six sentences, which starts with continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness through six sentences ending with, but you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. And comments will be on these six sentences only. Um, So today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Carolyn S.H., for the 12 Traditions, Danny P. Readers of the text are Nancy P., Susan S.H., and Kathy S. is waiting in the wings for us. She's our understudy. Um, The, oh, I just lost my, the newcomer greeter is Leah S., and the um, second hour host is Tamara C. Okay, so our reference numbers for Sunday, July 9th, 20,425. That's 20425. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And these are the steps we have taken. I will now ask, uh, I just lost my place, Carolyn S.H. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning, Melissa. Um, this is Carolyn S.H. Uh, calling in from Massachusetts. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, 
made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Carolyn. I will now ask Danny P. to read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you for your service. I'm Danny P. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Brazil. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group has never endorsed finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 
12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Danny. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today, we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 92, the second paragraph. We're going to be starting with continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness through six sentences ending with, but you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. And we're going to keep our focus on those six sentences only. And I will now ask Nancy P. to begin reading. Good morning, Nancy. Hey, Melissa. Uh, good morning, every. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good morning, everybody. Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. Explain that many are doomed who never realize, that, who never realize their predicament. Um, doctors are rightly loath to tell alcoholic patients the whole story unless it will serve some good purpose. But you may talk about, to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. Um, um, so truer words were never spoken. I am unmoved and unimpressed by anybody else's story because... I really believe that all pain leads to the refrigerator, whether I ding my manicure or whether, you know, I have a sick spouse or a sick child, because I've had that, Um, not so much my spouse, but my daughter, you know, was hacking herself up with a razor blade and burning herself to a crisp. And when I decided that I was going to get better, nothing got in the way. Um, And I know all about, you know, sneaking and hiding and cheating and lying. Nobody knows it better. I mean, not nobody. We all know it the same, but let me assure everybody that I know about hiding, sneaking, cheating, and lying, and cheating, sneaking, hiding, and lying, and any variation of the above. I remember that, um, you know, we were rushing my daughter to an emergency CBAT, a community-based acute treatment center, and I thought, you know, 45 minutes down there, an hour there, and 45 minutes back, I thought I'd probably be back in time from, from my call with my, sponsor, with my sponsor, but I wasn't sure. So I brought my big book with me because I didn't care if my husband heard. I didn't care about anything except that I was going to get better. 
And I texted my sponsor and told her I should be back, but I can definitely take the call. And she said, no, take care of your family. But I was prepared. I had a sponsee who told me she was late because of traffic. And I said, if there was a donut on the other side of that traffic jam, do you think you would have been late for that? And she said, no. And I said, then don't be late again. Um, you know, I've had a sponsee tell me that, you know, she has a sick family member. And so, you know, she'll probably need to have some flexibility. And I told her she should probably find another sponsor. I mean, that was when we were discussing whether it would work. Because I, I don't, it's not that I don't care, but I cannot afford to care because I know exactly how hopeless I was sitting in my car sobbing, having just eaten a dozen donuts and having done the same thing the day before and the day before and the day before and knowing that I was going to do the same thing the next day and the next day and the next day. But, you know, so I don't co-sign anybody's nonsense and I don't preach and I don't blame and I don't, I don't give anybody anything other than what I have to sell in my store. And the only thing that Nancy P has to sell in her store is Nancy P's experience, strength, and hope. And if people are really want to get better, then they do what I say. And, you know, I go through the book with them. I don't, you know, I use my own experience. I try not to give advice. I don't know how good I am about that. I try really hard not to give advice. And I tell them that if they do what it says in the book, if they do what it says in the book, if, if, if means promise, consequence, or threat, they will get better because I got better. And everybody else who does what it says in the book, they get better. And, um, you know, I think that people, you know, they call me, you know, I get calls, I get outreach calls, I get 10-step calls, I get a lot of calls because I make a lot of calls. And, and people tell me that when they follow the book, they get what the book says. So anybody that's in the food, I'm I'm just going to wrap up, Melissa. Anybody that, that's in the food, you're not that far away from where you need to be. Just do what the book says, and everything will be okay. With that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Nancy P., so much for getting us started. So before I begin to take names, I'm going to remind you that our meeting has many participants, and in an effort to hear from a wide variety of voices, we ask you to share no more than every third day. So please, if you shared on uh, Thursday or Friday last week on any of our meetings, please hold back so that others may share. And who would like to share? Bonnie B., Minnesota. Bonnie B. Janice P.M. from Massachusetts. Janice P.M. Cheryl A. from Massachusetts. Cheryl A. Massachusetts. Loretta H. from North Carolina. Loretta H. North Carolina. like to get in this first round? You guys are so calm this morning. Nope. Okay, we will start with the four that we've got. I've got Bonnie B, Janice PM, Cheryl A, and Loretta H. Go ahead, Bonnie B, you can get us started, please. Thank you so much, Melissa. Good morning, everyone. Bonnie B, gratefully recovered by the grace of God for today. 
currently living in the state of Minnesota. Um, so the sentences, I don't know if there's any part in this book that doesn't scream to me when we read it, but you know, the only thing I have to share is my experience. And um, I share it in details. And I go as deep as I can go so that people can lean in. That's what helped me. When people, when people were willing to share like everything they did, um, I leaned in for the first time because I came out of the closet with the baseball bat, which was where I lived because there was so much shame regarding what I had done with food. And I thought for the first time, maybe, maybe there's someone else out there. Um, I talk about the things I've tried. I take people at page 31. I talk about what I've tried. Here are some of the methods I've tried. I read the list off because I know, again, most of us have tried the same things. When they hear my exhaustive list and I laugh over it, there's a lightness in the air because I have a solution. I talk about my DNA. I take them to page 427. If you're an apple, you can be the best apple you can be, but you can never be an orange. The problem is that I was trying to be an orange when I was an apple. It's only a problem until I don't have a solution, and I have a solution, so I share that. I take them to page 544 in the big book and page 23 in the um, 12 and 12. And I talk about my history, my history. And I go back in detail again because I know that if they truly are a compulsive overeater, there's going to be light bulbs going off left and right with no strings attached. The thing that I try to give to people when I talk to them before sponsoring or even talking with newcomers is hope. Hope that, that there is a solution and then I share in great detail how desperate I was and where I was at in this whole program before I came into this program, knew where I was at mentally, physically, spiritually. I was maybe okay sometimes in my body on the outside or so it would appear maybe, but my head was in lockdown 24-7. And when I came into the program, I was certain that the goal was a number on the scale. And I am convinced now that the goal is emotional sobriety. That's what I offer to them because the world, the world continues to shake and life continues to happen. But as long as I live in these steps, I have emotional sobriety. And as for me, as my brain goes, so goes my body and so goes the rest of my life. So I share in great detail, but I do it with a lightheartedness because I'm not living there anymore and I have a solution. And I'm so grateful to be able to share that with others being very candid. Again, no shame, no guilt, just a different DNA, not a problem. We have a solution now. And so with that, I'll pass. And thanks again for letting me share. Blessings, everyone. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Bonnie B., for sharing. And um, so next up is Janice P.M., and Janice will be followed by Cheryl A. Good morning, Janice. <clears throat> Pardon me, Melissa. Good morning to you. And uh, my name is Janice P.M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater living in Massachusetts. Well, it says here, specific instructions to continue to speak of alcoholism, for us it's compulsive overeating, as an illness, a fatal malady, and the progression of my disease. And they'll identify with that. They'll say, yeah, I never got better. I'm always getting worse. I don't know what to do. So I stress what al- about alcoholism? I may, you know, this is telling my story somewhat. You know, I, I, I can say, you know, I don't know about you, but I began to see the hopelessness that I 
What about myself when I was on my own? How I couldn't ever solve the problem, no matter what method I use, no matter how much knowledge I know. Well, maybe my husband can, you know, um, do my teeth, can wire my teeth. He was a dentist. Um, well, then I said, well, no, I'm not going to want that. How am I going to eat anything? Well, he says, you're going to have to sip through a straw. And, you know, I didn't want to do that. And, of course, I knew when he took off the uh, the, the wires that, um, you know, that I would go back to eating. I was afraid to have the wires on my teeth. So, you know, I, I, you know, I told the person, the protege, how I couldn't stop once I started to eat my binge foods. You know, I couldn't stop from starting again. You know, if I'd managed to stop even for a while. So I'm explaining the allergy of the body and the unmanageability of the mind. Tell a person how I've been yo-yo dieting so that they can, you know, uh, tell about what this illness is. They can identify. And how I was so defeated. Oh, my God. I was so desperate. I tried everything. You know how we hear We hear people say, did I try this? I tried that. Well, I did too. So I tried to emphasize the powerlessness of the, because of the allergy. I have an allergy of the body that I have to be born all over again to not have an allergy if that's what my God wants to give me. And the unmanageability because of my compulsive overeating mind is a real problem, like we talked about, the mental twist, you know. So I just try to keep his, I don't say anything about him, I just try to keep his focus on the power, powerlessness of this illness and, and, and talk about the consequences. You know, I didn't know that a knee replacement was due to that. I didn't know that diabetes was due to my obesity. I didn't know, of course, I know about the weight gain, but that's about all. It's about my, my allergy and my thinking. And with that, thank you much. I will pass. Thank you, Janice. Thanks so much. Um, next up is Cheryl A., and Cheryl will be followed by Loretta H. Good morning, Cheryl. Hi, good morning. This is Cheryl A., recovered compulsive overeater in Brookline, Massachusetts. It's amazing to read the book over and over again because things um, become more clear every single solitary time. But uh, I know that the big book is devoted primarily, I mean primarily, there's such huge sections about step one and step 12. There's a, if if we look at like the thickness of the pages and here we are um, in step 12 and it's just referring back to step one on so many levels and how important it is it says that explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. I have got to realize my predicament and I've got to help others through my personal experience to realize theirs. And that's all about step one. That is all it says. Like they may not realize it and then they're doomed. And so I have this amazing job and ability to reach another compulsive overeater the way no one else can in their lives. And I know that that was real for me. Um, 
no, others, my parents giving me ideas. I got into this program when I was 18 years old, and my mom would say, to this day, she still says, can't you just eat in moderation? Why do you have to still use your scale? I don't understand. Don't you know what four ounces is today? <laughs> and the, good, the, God, the God's honest truth I try to say to her is that um, my predicament is that if I try over and over again to just estimate my portion four ounces will look very different from one day to the next so i've got to keep myself honest because four ounces can look really larger and i'll think it's four and it can look a lot smaller and the beauty of the scale is i don't have i just delegate that process uh to my scale i don't i don't have to be in that nonsense about trying to like figure it out and then believe myself um i know that the conditions um, of mind and body also include the mind is not just the obsession of the mind. It's my broken will. It's the broken actions. There's there's a malady of my body, my mind, and my will all together referenced in this book. And at the beginning, I need fellowship as I'm trying to get uh, the body treated because I haven't had a spiritual awakening yet. And then as I'm working the steps, I get that emotional sobriety and my mind clears. And, and, and then I need service to be able to treat the, the will malady. And unless I treat all three of those things, I don't recover. And so I will keep sharing my own personal experience and uh, what a gift that is to do. With that, I pass, and thanks for listening. Oh, thank you, Cheryl. Perfect timing. Um, okay, next up is Loretta H. from North Carolina, and then we'll take more names. Good morning, Thank Loretta. You. Thanks, you, Melissa, and thank you all, along with my precious God, who is saving my life, Loretta H., recovered in North Carolina. As many of you know, my favorite line in the big book is on 125 or 24 that says, cling to the thought that in God's hands our darkest past is our greatest asset. With that, we avert misery and death for others. And this is kind of a death threat uh, here when um, we talk about um, the illness and how fatal it is. And then we go down to the hopelessness of it because we offer a solution. So this book, except chapter seven and parts of eight and nine, and I learned this from another fellow, so don't, it's not my brilliance at all, is written in the declarative and not the imperative. So it is what I did, not to tell you what to do. And that is the key to my success um, with working with others, because that was the key to my success with my first sponsor. As I've shared, I was so blessed in 2001 that she actually was a nutritionist. Today, she has 49 years of recovery. That's unheard of almost. And it's because she actually studied and we studied this book. She used to run to AA meetings and get the information out of that. And she never drank a day in her life. So this book is where I find my answers to pass on to other people and where I believe is the solution. I just shared something last night that I actually 
told my priest that I found God in this book. And it is about finding God and just a power bigger than yourself. And that um, this disease is fatal. It um, talks about the nevers in this in this chapter. There are nine nevers in this chapter. So I don't need to be a, um, a you know a Hitler or something slapping this into him. But it also says there's 124 times before we even get in this chapter that this is what I need to do to save my life because it is the gift that keeps on giving. So it's got such richness in here. And not only does it save me, but with God's grace and mercy, it can save others. And that's why I'm here because this program has saved my life along with all of you. And with that, I pass. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, um, Loretta. So I'm going to remind everybody where we're at before I take more names. We are on page 92, second paragraph. We're going to read six sentences. We read them. Um, we started with continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness. And, so, and then we finished with, but you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. So if you haven't shared on Thursday or Friday, on any of our meetings, I would love to take your name down. Who would like to share? Pamela. Lee H. Pamela P. Pamela P. Pamela. from New York. I got you, Pamela P. from New York. There was someone else. Was it Lee? Yes. Margaret P. Jordan. Hold on. Lee H. Margaret D. Who else? Lori H. Miami. Would you repeat that? I just hold on. Someone H. Uh, Lori. Lori H. Miami. Lori. Lori H. Who else came in with Lori? I heard. This is Shelly from Minnesota. I don't want to talk, but I just have a quick question. No, no, no. All You're going to have. I'm sorry. You're going to have to wait on the questions. There's. The oh, second, sure. The second okay. Part of the I'll hour. be quiet. <laughs> We'd love to hear you share. Just no questions at this point. Who else would like to share? Kim G, Pennsylvania. Kim G, Pennsylvania. Devorah S. Devorah S. from New Jersey. Thank you. All righty. Got a good lineup here. I'll tell you who we've got. We have Pamela P., Lee H., Margaret D., Lori H., Kim G., and Devorah S. So, Pamela P., would you please get us started this round? Good morning. Hello, the Pamela, you hear me? Go right ahead. Okay, hi, my name is Pamela P. from New York. Um, yeah, so I, I, um, I'm not saying I'm struggling, but I'm in a struggling situation now. Um, I know the program works, you work it, no matter what, where, what, where, what you're going through. 
And right now, I'm in a homeless shelter, and um, it's just a lot of complications. It's very hard for me, but I'm doing it because God and program fellowship to keep the, my recovery. And I know my recovery could go to another level, but it, in this situation, they're very hard. Um, especially the food. I've been doing okay with the food. So I thank God that a couple slipped now and there. Um, program, I get up very early, like always, and try to put program in. Um, I've been I've been calling people, but I've been slacking because the um, phone connection here not great, and you got only certain time that you could go and make calls and stuff, you know. Like you outside or certain part. So, but besides that, I thank God for my sponsor. She has been amazing. Um, it's just been tough, but I'm not giving up. I knew I had to leave and I left. And the relationship I was in was destroying me mentally and emotionally. But I was still able to keep some of my recovery. And that because a program. And the big book is amazing. I read that every day. There's so much wisdom and growth in it. And what God did for them, he could do for me. So I just never going to give up before that miracle happens. And I pray my life through a dramatic change. I am so uncertainty with a lot of stuff going on. And I got to believe and have faith. And I do believe my high power is Jesus Christ. So I... I'm still trucking on. I can't, I can't, I try not to pick up as much as possible. And some of the food that they give you, and I just pray for discipline every time I get a meal and say, no, thank you, or throw in the garbage, or do something. But those food, those toxic food, not going to make my sister race him better. It's going to make it 20 times worse. So thank God for wisdom, for program. I thank God for the fellowship. And keep coming back. Don't give up on yourself because God will never will. And remember, you cannot do this alone. It's a we program. So that all I want to say. Pray for me. I pray for you and I pass. Oh, thank you, Pamela P. Thanks so much. Okay, next up is Lee H. And Lee will be followed by Margaret D. Good morning, Lee. Thank you so much. Melissa, this is Lee H. Recovered in Tennessee and uh, just wanted to jump in this morning. I opened up the book and um, saw where we were. And, um, yeah, it just reminded me um, I'm so grateful for recovery and I'm grateful to be working with a couple of people now that are recovering. And uh, we, we talked a couple of times this weekend about situations that come up where um, one of my sponsees was on a vacation and um, she just, you know, re- was reporting in her food plan and there was something that came up that looked like a red flag to me and we were able to talk about it and uh, I just told her my experience about when I'm on vacation with my family, how that was particularly challenging and uh, how this disease is so cunning, baffling, and powerful, and it would sneak up and try to tell me that, well, I'm just like them. I can eat like them. And before I knew it, I was picking up something that was not on my food plan. And um, and 
you know, it, it's just wonderful talking with people and being able to relate. And she saw where, you know, that that could happen. Um, and just how, you know, just doing one thing can really lead down that fatal road to, you know, a full-blown relapse. And um, it was just really good to have that conversation. And I'm always reminded that the promises are sprinkled throughout this book, and I love it when they come up. Um, and, you know, I love the paragraph. It's it's a little further ahead that just says, when we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. And we talk a lot about just praying, asking God, asking God, being aware, pausing all the time throughout this process. So anyway, thanks so much. I'll pass. Uh, thank you so much, Lee H. from Tennessee. And next up is Margaret D., and Margaret will be followed by Lori H. Good morning, Margaret. Hey, Melissa. Good morning. My name is Margaret D. I'm in Georgia, and I'm really very grateful to be Really, very grateful to be a recovered compulsive eater, recovered only, though, through God's grace and mercy. And I try to remember that that is one of the most important facts of my life today. So the reading talks about um, continuing to speak of alcoholism as an illness. I've always had a problem I could give lip service to, yes, compulsive eating is a disease. I could see it, <coughs> excuse me, if it was possibly heroin addiction or some other, some addiction that in my mind qualified as a major or a real addiction. But again, when it came to compulsive eating, I just finally got to the point where I just had to take it as a fact. There's something about my thinking that is always going, well, it's not really a disease. You know, you really do have a a choice. Um, so um, I was recently diagnosed with uh, a very, very debilitating uh, diagnosis. And um, as part of that, diagnosis um i've lost any appetite or desire to eat and so i keep i'm watching myself in one part you know doing behaviors that i haven't done for a long time and when i talk to people that are not in program they say but you have to understand margaret that you have this particular you know, ailment or whatever you want to call it. And you have to give yourself, um, you know, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. You have to give yourself some leeway or, you know, whatever. You have to understand what's going on. And when I see in that sense how this particular illness can cause you to lose your appetite or can cause you to become... uh, depressed or whatever it is, it's like, oh, that makes sense because it's the illness. And the blessing of all of this is um, getting to see where compulsive eating, this is exactly like, or compulsive eating is exactly like this other 
um, diagnosis, it's, you know, you find yourself in a state of mind because of the condition of your body and that you go hand in hand, but ultimately um, we're doomed. And so thank you so much, God, for coming in, stepping in, and helping, and I'll wrap it up, um, you know, for providing the solution and the answer and the power and the strength to follow through with that answer and solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Margaret Dean. Wish you healthy, really good health. Thank you. Um, Lori H., you're next, followed by Kim G. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, family. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you well. Lori, where are you from? I didn't um, this is Lori H. from Miami, Florida. Miami. Okay, go right ahead. Okay. So... You know, as I sit here and I look at that and the page that's highlighted um, and the the words that are highlighted in that paragraph for me, it brings up so much pain, that illness and a fatal malady because I wanted to kill myself. It was like I did not want to be in this life from almost the get-go and I was suffered from severe depression and not only did I ignore this body, but I was like hell-bent on destroying it and not hearing of anything, any messages that would come from it. And I shoved them all down. I shoved all feelings. I shoved all pain. I did that with the food. And I did that also with medications because my parents would take me to doctors. And they didn't have a chance, you know. When I look, when I look at this, you know, the doctors, uh, they couldn't diagnose me. Um, it was worse than an animal going to a veterinarian. At least you could see things. I was great at hiding things. And, um, you know, I, to all appearances, I looked normal to other people. And I made sure I looked normal because I didn't want people bothering me. And and um, And it was just so painful to be in hell with the food and to be ignoring this body's needs for most of my life. And I didn't believe anybody. Um, when they said that they really had years without doing without hurting themselves, um, but I was on 13 medications when I when I came into the program, and today I take one for my thyroid, the one pill I wouldn't take, um, and I eat a healthy meal, and I spend time every morning listening to this body's needs because it tells me, it tells me when I'm working and doing too hard because I feel it in my back. It tells me when there's an imbalance in the way I'm exercising. I feel that in my calves. It tells me if um, there's a lot of pain in my neck and my shoulders. I'm spending too much time doing this. It shows me the imbalances in my life. And it lets me know where I'm and, and my higher power when I get quiet and listen to my body and I feel and I go into that beautiful heart space. You know, my, my God is my doctor. And my God will heal me if I allow and will direct me where I need to go. And I cooperate with the doctors, and I tell them the truth today, the actual truth. Um, they, like, love to hear from me on, on these Zoom meetings and, and get together and, like, study from me because they don't have patients who are as open as me now and as honest as me now. And I get to do these programs, um, not just, you know, the, the OA program, which has absolutely saved my life. I have gone from that place of just wanting to die and killing myself to living 
actually living and allowing my God to walk me through this pain, knowing that he never gives me more than I can handle. I may have a different opinion, but all I have to do is remember when things get painful and I just, oh, that's it. Have a blessed day, everyone. Love y'all. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lori H., for sharing. Next up is Kim G. from Pennsylvania and then Deborah S. Good morning, Kim. Hi, this is Kim G. um, from Pennsylvania, um, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I just want to talk about the sentences, talk about the conditions of the body and the mind which accompany it. And keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. So the way that I got into program, um, I'm pretty new. I just came in December of last year is I didn't know anybody that did the things that I did. And I got one of the OA books, the brown book that had stories in it. And I just kept reading them, uh, the things that people did and how they recovered. And it gave me enough courage to start coming to meetings. And then through all the help of my different sponsors, with them sharing, you know, how it happened for them and the things that they did, it started giving me confidence that. I wasn't alone. And it's a funny thing. I feel like when I am not sharing with people about the things that I have done with food or that I, um, how I'm trying um, to work on my recovery, like I forget that I think, you know, we try to hide those things. And so I'm really new at kind of bringing those things out to the forefront. And I just love how people on the line have shared at some point, you're going to have a light heart about these things. Um, So I just want to thank everybody for this meeting and um, continue to share your personal experience. It just helps everybody recover. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you so much, Kim G, for sharing. Um, next up is Devara S. from New Jersey, and we will have time for a few more shares after Devara. Good morning. Hi. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Devara S. from New Jersey, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And so grateful for all of you being here. I'm hearing such great messages. And thank you all who make this meeting possible every day. So it talks about the great sentences here, these six sentences. Doctors are rightly loath to sell alcoholic patients the whole story unless it will serve some good purpose. And believe me, I was on the receiving end for years of doctors telling me, um, you know, what's going to happen to me because of my diabetes, because of my blood pressure, because I weigh 280 pounds. But they couldn't give me, they couldn't tell me why I ate. They didn't tell me that I have an allergy of the body and a mental obsession. It just kept telling me, you have to lose weight. And I would walk out of that office every time so frustrated and in pain and in tears. And what did I do? I ran to the nearest store and I, and I bought stuff to eat because what else am I to do? I didn't know what to do. You know, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just knew I couldn't stop eating. I didn't know anything about what, you know, the doctor's opinion. 
in this book. And only years later, after, you know, being in, you know, in pain and in misery, and someone shared with me their experience and what they were, and what they did and how they came to this program and what this program is about, that's when I saw the light. That's when I saw, wow, you know, so many people doing this thing, uh, you know, maybe I have a shot at this, you know. And so, you know, I'm so grateful today that I know what the answer is here and what I can give over to my sponsees. Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. You know, how true that is. It's not a moral issue, which I thought for years, why couldn't I stop eating? There must be something wrong with me, you know, morally. Like, what is this? And, you know, so today I know that that it is an illness, just like diabetes, just like high blood pressure. And the only treatment is here, you know, coming to these rooms and, and, and listening and um, putting down the food, putting down the food, no matter what it takes. The food has to get down. My, my addictive substances had to be put down so that I can get so that so that I can have a a spiritual awakening. Um, and the food that I the food that I put down, what happens is I don't crave it anymore. Isn't that a miracle? Isn't that a miracle that you know things happen, upsets happen. Yesterday, things happen. I was able to turn to God, to the fellowship in this program. And not to the food. That was the go-to all the years. So, I, you know, what a miracle that is that I could wake up Monday morning after a whole weekend and still keep doing what I've been doing on that I did on Friday and Saturday, and that was not eating. But to be of service to other people and to be working this program and to look for ways to grow spiritually. Really, I'm, I'm just so grateful and blown away every day that I can get through the, go through the day and live peacefully with myself and with others. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much, Devorah S. So we have time for about uh, two more shares. I'd like to get two more people. Marie Kay. Say that again. Anne-Marie Kay. Anne-Marie Kay. Shall we Gloria K. Uh, I don't know if we'll get you, Gloria, mm. but I'll write you down. Was it Shelly G or Shelly B? Shelly B as in boy. Shelly B. Okay, so let's see where we are on time. We'll have Anne-Marie K, then Shelly B, and if we have more time, I'll squeeze you in, Gloria. Go right ahead, Anne-Marie. Can I ask one question because I got in here late? Are we at the top of page 92? We're at 92, second paragraph. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Hi. Thanks again. I'm Anne Marie Kay. I'm recovering. Well, actually, I'm recovered again. Uh, compulsive reader. And I just wanted to say that what I've just heard since I got on here, first of all, the, the, the problem that I just came back from a relapse, a very short one, and I thank God that I didn't pick up my the sugar. Uh, but what I had to today is going to be my first day of being able to put my name back out as a sponsor. I'm through the steps again. And uh, what I learned is invaluable right now to be able to share with another person eventually as a sponsor because I have a whole new respect for being a sponsor and understanding this disease. Because what my, and, and I also am a great believer in the doctor's opinion, but what I had to go back to was page 58 and about being honest 
about my disease. And I think I hadn't, even though I really felt at this time I had finally, after a 30-year relapse, I had finally understood my disease. But you know what? It's so cunning and baffling. It'll play you for a sucker. And if you're like me and you have a problem with dishonesty, oh, my God, will it work on you? And I was away. I was in Europe for six weeks. And, um, yeah, uh, I got to the point that I started value meeting. And I, I justified it completely. But what I want to get to, again, is that this is a disease. And I need to go back to that other reason, you know, and remember that I will constantly have spirit. I'm going to, at least I think, have uh, education, uh, spiritual uh, awareness, uh, edu- education. I can't say it quite right because I just woke up. But, you know, from the from the, from the appendix, you know, I have a lot to learn. Yet. I'm 70 years old, but I have a lot to learn about my disease. And what I also learned was that it will tell me that I'm okay when I'm not. And I'm so grateful that the day I didn't walk away from the program and say, oh, yeah, well, here we go, that I'm not perfect. And that's what I'll be able to impart and remember when I'm working with somebody now. Because I really have come to believe that, you know, in me, really, this is it. that was my understanding. This is a disease. I have absolutely no control of it when the mental twist starts. It's what I think, it's not what I eat. It caused me the problem. And I thank God also that I woke up the morning after I came home because of jet lag, turned this program on, and heard somebody talk about relapse, about how important it is. And I don't want anybody to go out and relapse, but it helped me to be honest. And again, if I can't be honest, I go back to page 58. I'm in, const- I'm in co- constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself. So um, I wanted to wait to share on vision until I felt as though I really had a time to really examine what caused that relapse. And I recognize that I'm sick, I have a disease. And I heard somebody here say, if I had cancer and I, my remission stopped, would I hate myself? Would I be full of shame? No, I'd try to go back to the doctor and say, what's our next best step? And with that, I'll sign off and say, everybody have a great day unless you made other plans. Bye-bye. Thank you, Anne-Marie Kay. And Shelly B., we have like one minute for you, if you can do a quick one-minute share get you in. Can you hear me okay? Yep. You got a minute, Okay. Right. Okay. I'll make it quick. Uh, I'm Shelly B. Uh, from Iowa, and I am recovering. Very grateful for this meeting. And I don't, I'm not sponsoring, but one thing I've learned is all I can, like, I make a lot of outreach calls, and just sharing my experience has been amazing, um, and hearing others share their experience. Uh, you know, I think <clears throat> it was said earlier, um, I, I can be an apple and be the best apple I can be, but I can't be an orange. And I'm still, like, every day I wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, I am a compulsive overeater, and I don't want to be, but... The, I'm getting, I'm learning tools to work through this. And uh, yeah, prayer has been grateful, I, a great help. Um, talking with others has been amazing. And I'm so grateful for all of you who are on this journey with me. And that's all I've got. Thanks. Oh, great. Thank you. Thanks so much, Shelly B. Thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. 
The share ID for today, Monday, July 10th, 2023, is 20,426. That's 20426. And we will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Susan S.H. please read a vision for you? Good morning, Susan. Good morning. So sorry. (laughs) I was just traveling on with my day. Okay. This is Susan S.H., a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. Destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.